This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Here with a, a very special guest today, Coach Tim Hennessy of uh, C2X Academy, a wrestling academy in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah it's, North technically, Carolina. It's in, technically it's just over the border in, in Fort Mill, South Carolina, but we're okay. South Charlotte, we like to say, because I live in North Carolina. It's only yeah. a few miles away. Uh, Tim is a has, has a great uh, academy and, and background in wrestling. He wrestled D1 at Rutgers, and you've been a, a coach throughout your career. And I guess over the past uh, eight years or so, you founded C2X Wrestling Academy in addition to the work you had done as uh, a coach at junior high and uh, at all different levels of wrestling. And you started at some point a TikTok channel, which is, is how I got turned on to you. And you have a dynamic voice on the mat and sending out a great message to your students. And I'm extremely grateful that you, whoever convinced you to put it on TikTok and uh, a little fire lit up, up over there uh, and you've developed a really nice following. I reposted one of your videos and it just went crazy viral. And I posted a second one and it went crazy viral. And so I said, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> and so Tim, I'm, I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on the podcast and just love to hear all about your, your, your philosophy, your background. Uh, so maybe if you wouldn't mind just telling us where you're from. I hear, even though you just told me off air, I heard a little bit of that New Jersey drawl. Yeah. That Pennsylvania drawl. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I, I've lived down in Charlotte for 16 plus years. I've got an amazing wife, my high school sweetheart, and I've got three daughters. Um, so I don't have, I'll, I'll say, I don't have a dog in the hunt. None of them wrestled, right? Even though we just had our first female commit to go wrestle in college. So that was kind of a milestone in 2021, but I don't have any, you know, any, uh, you know, sons or anything that, that wrestle, but uh, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up in Northwestern New Jersey. I, I like to tell people that haven't been to New Jersey, like we lived in the garden state, you know, I, I protect it. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're from New Jersey, you protect it like you're a, you know, anybody else could talk about it, but you know, yeah. anybody else wants to talk about your state, you, you, you protect it. So I grew up in the like Northwest the corner. Tri-state area, tri-state area over there by like yeah. Service. yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in the Northwest corner of the state up near a, a little town called Jefferson township. Okay. Up near Sparta, uh, up in the Sussex Morris County area. And then, uh, yeah. And so, uh, I went to Rutgers university. I wrestled there, as you mentioned, I was blessed to wrestle there. And, uh, and then I moved all different places. So I did live in Pennsylvania for a while in Bucks County, lived in back in Flemington, New Jersey, and then moved down to Charlotte about, I guess, 16 years ago, just to kind of, uh, you know, the wrestling is kind of been a byproduct of growing up and, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, but really I'm in business. I'm in technology. So I work for Cisco. I'm in technology. Uh, I was working in New York city and I realized, man, my kids were young and I was getting home. And one day I walked in the door at 6 45 PM and the kids and my wife ran to the door and like, Oh, daddy's home early. I thought to myself, like 6.45 p.m. is early. Like, that's not good. And so at that moment in time, it's like, I just like, I got to get to a better place where I can be around for my kids. So we made a move internally. I was up, I had an opportunity to, to move inside Cisco, get a job and uh, and live in the South. So we grew, we raised our family in, in Charlotte. And so I'd always been involved in wrestling. Um, not to bore you, but, you know, when I was young, my, my dad wasn't around, kind of took off and Really, my mom raised four of us by herself. I was the youngest of four, and wrestling just kind of uh, fell into my lap. I had a, a, a coach who got me into the sport. Uh, I was fortunate because I was small, so I was always wrestling kids kind of my same age. You know, sometimes when you're a wrestler and you start at a young age and you're a big kid, you're wrestling kids that are three years older, four years older. They're just more mature and strong, even though you're the same weight. And I was blessed. I was wrestling kids my same age. 
And so I had some immediate success. And so that kind of kept me going in the sport. And I had a, a coach back then who had a son who was a year younger than me, who just kind of must have seen a good kid that needed, you know, needed some grounding. And, and uh, he kept me in the sport. He was my youth coach. He was my high school coach and uh, kind of got me on that track. And I was blessed to go to, you know, to go to Rutgers and, um, you know, I always kind of stayed out of, out of the, you know, trouble. Never got involved in drinking drugs or anything like that because wrestling was my way to get to college. That's the way I thought. As young as four, like I said, we didn't have a you know a ton of money or anything like that. And so that was my way to get to college. And so um, that really stayed inside of me. And I always said, like, someday I want to give back. I want to do what he did for me. I'd like to be able to give back. And so started coaching down here, wherever I moved to. I was always helping local high schools or local middle schools or whatever, just giving back time because I wasn't in education. And when I moved down here, uh, I was blessed to have two other guys that just decided after a middle school season of coaching together that, you know, the parents were like, man, you guys just, it's awesome. You guys need to do something. And so we opted to just kind of go form this little wrestling club. We found a little place to rent. We bought a mat, we got a logo and we rolled out a mat and people started showing up and that's really how it, how it started. And, you know, that was, uh, we're into our eighth year. We are terrible businessmen. We, 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 you know, do not do much as far as advertising. People just show up. And what I tell people is like, we're not going to go get you because we just don't do a good job at that. But once you come, you'll understand that our whole goal is to teach you good wrestling. Yes. But we're really here to teach you life lessons, much like my coach taught me on the way to behave, the way to act on and off the mat, the way to serve each other and the way to, you know, really, really, really make a well-rounded young man, or as I mentioned earlier, young lady, because we now have ladies on the mat as well, which is great. And that's really been our philosophy. So we've got, you know, seven or eight coaches down here. Most of us wrestle division one. Uh, that, not that that matters. We've got, you know, some guys and you mentioned TikTok. So um, a shout out to Joe Ballantyne. He's our, one of our coaches in the club. He's a Jersey guy as well. He does all of our TikTok and he's gotten us going viral. We've got some stuff that's like got over a million views. It's crazy, right? This little club. Yeah. And then, all of our social media stuff, shout out to my daughter, Kylie, who does all our social media. And so she puts everything out on Instagram and Facebook and all. I, I don't, we don't know any of that, but they know it and they do it and they get it out there. And uh, really, we're just literally, I know this sounds a little Pollyanna, but we wake up every day just trying to serve each other, trying to help each other and trying to grow the sport of wrestling, but also just grow great kids. And my goal is that some of these kids are going to come back and they're going to be sitting in this seat and they're going to be doing what I'm doing and what the other coaches are doing, you know, at C2X uh, and helping others along the way and passing it on. And that's really, you know, really what the goal is. It's beautiful. Uh, I don't think it's Pollyanna at all. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this project that I'm on business jujitsu, which is tying the principles of business and jujitsu together, which has been impactful in my life. Of and you're doing that for, uh, for kids and, and for, and for adults too, who, you know, you want to tie together, but you said a lot of stuff there. I want to unpack. Sure. So, sure. So first and foremost, uh, you said something which kind of shook me there, which was that you were getting home at 645 and that was late. You know, you, the kid, you thought the kids were coming home early. And yeah. The, kid, the kids thought you were coming home early. Yeah. And, and, you know, in my own life, I don't get home till late. And I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. And as I pursue, you know, building my career, which had a, you know, had a lot of early success, thank God, knock on wood. Oh, yeah. And uh, train jujitsu every night. Uh, I'm coming to that point where... I want to come home and see my kids. <laughs> so, so that I just want to let you know that that really just that sunk deep. 
Yeah, well, Jordan, I was I was living out in Jersey. I was commuting into New York City every day, and uh, you know, it was a grind. It was I love being in New York. You know better than anybody. The energy in the city is nothing like it. In fact, my daughter Kylie moved to New York now. I've got three daughters, as I mentioned, but she's in in New York. And uh, the energy there is amazing, but the to and from was grind, right? I remember calling my wife, hey, just keep them up for 10 more minutes. I'm going to be home, you know, and you're in traffic, whatever. And it just got to the point where I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't do this forever. You know, I got to make some decisions. And I was blessed because I was in technology and I was blessed to be with a company like Cisco that allowed me to move. And I moved down to Charlotte, stayed kind of in, I'm in the financial services sector, if you will. And so I was able to kind of, you know, move down to Charlotte and nothing really changed a whole lot. So that was a blessing. Uh, for yeah. me. So um, your your work at Cisco and being in financial services, that didn't prepare you to run a small business? Uh, it did a little bit, to be fair, because I was around a bunch of business people and that was neat. And I've kind of guide, gotten a lot of mentorship and guidance from, you know, some old customers and, and clients that are now friends, uh, people I work with to just kind of get this thing off the ground. Uh, and obviously the guys that I am partnered with there, Tom Tannis, ironically, so Tom so there was a guy named Dan Hilly and Vas Lahanis. So those guys, we opened it up together. Um, Dan's still kind of involved from a periphery. His kids were in the program. They're out. But like now it's really me, Tom, uh, me, Vaz, who's a Jersey guy uh, from Clifton, state champ out of Clifton, wrestled at Maryland. And then Tom Tannis, who I was his high school coach, funny enough. So Tom was a Division One All-American at Rutgers. He went to Rutgers. I was his high school coach. We were blessed. I was the assistant coach coming out of coming out of uh, college, working with and for a gentleman by the name of Mike Rossetti, who was the coach of the year in New Jersey multiple times. We had a 63-match win streak. We were the number one team in the country back then, okay? And Tom was part of that team, although he jokingly says I couldn't even make the team, actually, like his freshman year. Um, but he turned out to be a Division One All-American. We use that as an example with our kids today. I said, guys, this guy couldn't make the lineup as a freshman. As a sophomore, he couldn't wrestle – the weight class he wanted to, he had to literally go up like two weight classes and was so undersized, but that was the only place in the lineup for him. Today, a lot of kids would just pack it up and find another sport. They quit. They would not handle that adversity. They wouldn't continue through and persevere, right? They would just, it's, it's too, it's too hard. I got to go to yeah. do something else. Tom's a perfect example. He, he strapped it on, he grinded it out. He handled the adversity and Lo and behold, fast forward for the rest of his life, not only was he as a junior and a senior, the number you know, finished second in the state in high school both years, but then he went on to be a Division I All-American. So for the rest of his life, he's Division I All-American. And I jokingly say, so Tom, you, you, how were you your freshman year? He's like, I was zero and zero. Why? Well, couldn't, couldn't make the team. I wrestled JV. How were you your sophomore year? You know, and then we would go on. And then, well, how'd you do in college? Well, I didn't really do much my freshman year. I, you know, got beat up in the room, whatever. How'd you do your senior year? I was Division I All-American. So for the rest of your life, you're a Division One All-American, but play that back a bunch of years. Many of those same people, having given those same options, would have chosen to just pack it in and do something different. So it's a good example. I, I, it's a it's a perfect example, and it's so important because I was just I, ne nothing in my life I ever was so good at. You know, I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't a great student. Uh, I, it just was always middle of the road. You know, I excelled at some some parts of it. Couldn't take a test, but I was a great at giving presentations, so I skirted through school, you know. Um, but the thing that I learned through jujitsu and martial arts was just keep showing up. And it translated over to business. Just keep showing up. Like you're only competing against yourself. You just have to keep showing up. And you said something today 
as it turns out on social media, where you, and I'd love for you to just tell the, 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 the background of the story. You said, what's the heaviest weight in this room? You know, and you said, it's the door getting through the door. So I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I need to, I need to pause and give credit. So I get on my soapbox and I just start going crazy. I can't help myself. I am bad at a lot of things. But even if you weren't on this call, I'd be having a good conversation with myself because I like to talk. And sometimes I actually have to remind myself and the kids that like, actually, it's better to actually, you're more of a help sometimes when you just listen versus talk. So I have to remind myself because I love, love talking. So I did say that, but that, that, that came from, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I try and share them with the kids and just, so whether it be, you know, uh, Ed Milet, I'm a big Ed Milet fan, whether, and he has great guests, whether, and I think that came from maybe James Clear, who was on an Ed Milet podcast. Todd Durkin's another one. He's a Jersey guy that, that the wrestling coaches at Rutgers, who I'm super close with, got me turned on to Todd Durkin. So I listened to him in the morning. It could be Goggins. It could be the Mind Valley podcast. It could be Robin Sharma, who to me is a great, great leader and has some great wisdom. So those are all things that come along. But there was a story about that James Clear gave about, a guy that wanted to, and he wrote a book called Atomic Habits, and really is about kind of getting our guys into, you know, habits. Habits don't have to be bad. Habits can be good, right? And so we're trying to get guys and, and gals, if you will, in to produce good habits. And so there was a story about a guy who, you know, basically wanted to lose weight. He was about 100 pounds overweight, and he literally would walk into the gym every day, and he'd do one set and he leave. He was there never more than five minutes for 30 straight days. All he did, walk through the door, get there and he lift five, you know, do five minutes and he leave. And everyone look at him and thought it was crazy. Now, did that five minutes change him? No, it didn't at all. Right. He probably didn't look any different after 30 days than maybe he would have, but it got him in the habit of, you know, I'm a winner. I go to the gym. I'm a gym rat. This is what I do. It's part of my routine. And so the, the, the joke kind of goes, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. It's hardest to get there. How many times do you wake up in the morning? I'm a, I'm a morning workout guy, right? So how many times I wake up in the morning, my like, man, I'm tired. I was up late, whatever, didn't sleep good. I don't want to go. I almost, I almost never miss because it is part of my day. And it's because I built that into being just habitual. It's just part of what I do. And so heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. Once you get through the front door and you lift that heavy weight, you close the door behind you, man, you're in, you're locked in. And now you just kind of get through, you know, you get through the reps or do whatever you have to do. It's hardest to kind of get to the gym. But again, once you're there, you pull that heavy weight and that's the front door and you get through it. So that's kind of where that came from. It's uh, it's so beautiful. And there's no reason that you can't take credit for it. I mean, just passing along great knowledge is sometimes the, the most beautiful thing you could do for someone, even if it's whether it's yours or not. Um, I can't tell you how many nights I was sitting in front of my jujitsu academy my hands on my steering wheel, my head on my steering wheel. Like, wow. I just, I don't want to get beat up tonight. I don't want to go in. I don't want to get sweaty. It's two degrees outside. The mat's going to be like ice cold. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get thrown on my ass. Yeah. And it just, and it's like, all right, just go. You're here. Just go. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like to get out of my car. Yeah. And I tell that to people all the time. So like, oh, as the years go on, those are the battles. You know, yeah. those, those are the hardest battles to win. And it's, and it happens in work too. Just like, yeah. you got to pick up that phone and you got to make that phone call. Oh yeah. Just make that call. You got to make that ask that you don't want to do. You got to write that report. You have to send that email. It's just these little teeny things all day, every day. And you turn around and 10 years goes by and 
it's a, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor. Um, yeah. I'm interested to know um, what, how receptive the kids are. You know, you work with a lot of young people. What mm -hmm. is it like to give these kind of messages to young people, especially? And a lot of people I speak to are um, beginning their careers. They have a different set of motivations outside of maybe becoming a champion or, or excelling in just wrestling. Yeah. Um, how, how do they take it? It's, it's, um, Jordan's a great question. And, uh, I tell people all the time, I get calls from parents and we start talking because wrestling is a physical sport, right? So by the way, we do wrestling, we do fitness. So Tom Tannis, he's a, a personal trainer by trade and fitness, done nutrition. We kind of have a bunch of stuff. We do little yoga, but wrestling is kind of what kind of kicked things off. And it's a physical sport. I got kids that probably come from, you know, 20 or 30 different schools, but when they're in the gym at gym, I say C2X they don't even think about what school they're from. They're from C2X Academy. They're mm -hmm. part of a team and they are all about serving and servant leadership and helping each other. And so I've got kids in the room that are ranked fifth in the country that are, are going, you know, to wrestle at big time division one schools, like, you know, kid in the room's going to wrestle at UVA and he's got a ton of money to go wrestle at UVA. And he's the, the greatest, most humble kid you'll ever meet. He'll grab, he'll be the guy that grabs the mat and he leads by example. Right. And so, we have built a culture. We're very, very, very intentional about culture. And I don't care whether it's at the gym. I don't care if it's with my family or I don't care if it's with my team at Cisco. We work on fundamentals. And this is something that I learned. I was uh, working with some guys at High Point, which is a, another company I was at for a while. And uh, Mike and Tom Mendeboro, they were great guys and, and, and mentored. And I learned a lot from them. But one of the things we implemented was this whole um, um, culture and being intentional about culture. And so at the club, we've got 24 four fundamentals at Cisco. We've got 33 fundamentals. Okay. Um, basically listening generously is one of them. You're sitting there and I could tell you're listening. You hear what I say. You're shaking your head. You're giving me validation that I know you're checked in. Um, right. you know, it could be doing the right thing. Always. It could be, yeah, at the gym, it could be, you know, serving one another, you know, it could be walking in other shoes. There's 24 fundamentals each week. We work on a fundamental and why I say we're intentional about it is because we talk about it. We have somebody write it up. We put it on our social media. Hey, this is so-and-so. This is what his take on or her take on the fundamental of the week is. This is how they might use it. And basically, and at, at Cisco, we use it where uh, I'll, I'll write it sometimes, but we'll have everybody across the globe takes a shot. doesn't matter where you are in the pecking order on the team. You have an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself. You have an opportunity to talk a little bit about the fundamental, about where you're from, what's important to you, about your family, but also how you're going to use the fundamental and what it means to you in that given week. And then when we have meetings, we, or in our case at the gym, you know, we, we talk about the fundamental at the beginning of practice. We talk about the fundamental at the end of practice and we don't make light of it. I look the guys in the eye. Are you using it? Did you have an opportunity to use it? Where did you use it? And these are the fundamentals. Did, did you serve anybody this week? And so we've been so intentional about our culture that the guys have embraced it. The team, you know, I'll say the team, they've embraced it. And they just know that that's, there is, there is no, you know, sacrificing on that. It's just the way it's going to be. And so I tell parents when they call, I go, I promise you, you would never see a fight in her room. Like you would never see, I don't care how guy hard people are going at it. You would never see them like act out because that's just not part of our culture. They know mm -hmm. that that's just not acceptable. And so right. I think setting the culture was really the, 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 the main foundation of getting the buy-in from everybody in the club to say, hey, this is just the way it is. People meet us and they think like, they're not this way all the time. But we will never bring a coach in that doesn't buy in 
to the spirit of what we're trying to do. And it's, yeah, grow great wrestlers, grow great fitness people, make people feel good. But at the end of the day, it's about growing great people. And that's just the way it is. And we don't we don't deviate from it. We, we stay consistent. I talk a lot about being consistently good versus inconsistently great. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of companies, a lot of teams that do great. And then they're like this. And they're like, great. And they're like this. We try to be consistently good all the time so that after a while, people just say, like, that's just just what they do. It's just the way they is, though the way they are. And then I always, you know, often say, you know, the trick in life's not getting what you want. It's wanting it once you get it. And so, mm. you know, how come teams can't repeat? How come a guy can't be a state champ multiple times in a row? Because he trained a certain way and then he got there and then he just lost his edge. You know, why why don't teams always repeat? They got the same guys as they did the year before and they just fall off. You know, the trick in life's not getting what you want. It's wanting it once you get it. So we try to really, really, you know, have them embrace that mindset. It's once you ask for it and once you put in the work to get it, and then all of a sudden it's given to you, it could be the scariest thing in the world. That's right. People come and sit into my office. I want to raise, I want a promotion. Are you sure? (laughs) You know, are you sure that's what you want? Um, Then they actually have to go out and do the work. And um, those are tough conversations to have with people when, wait a second, I was cruising along. I was comfortable in my role. I was doing it every day. And then I wanted to break out of my shell and go get something else and go get some other opportunity, go get more. And well, now you're there. (laughs) So yeah, what you're you're saying is so beautiful. And it's uh, amazing that young people can really can latch onto it. I remember when I was growing up, I I didn't wrestle. Uh, I wish I could have. Uh, They didn't offer it at my school that I went to, which is funny because John Cena wrestled at my school. I I went to a school- (laughs) <laughs> you're in a hotbed of wrestling, like New York. Yeah. You, you know, New I, York. I went to I went to boarding school in Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts! My, Massachusetts called, you know, it's, it's was, not like it's unheard it of. Called, it was crazy. It was called Cushing Academy. John Cena okay. was our a prodigal prodigal son that you know used to come yeah. back and give talks. And they at some point before I got there, they got rid of the wrestling program. But I found my way into grappling after when I when I became you know very into the UFC and I wanted to learn jujitsu and and wrestling and judo and everything else. It's uh. What a what an incredible sport! I just like you said, you never see a fight at the gym, yeah, because the, the the principles of martial arts are so important for learning how to become a good person. Oh yeah, and uh, and like you said, the core values are are amazing. I was talking to my team this morning about our core values, and I said they're not just words on a paper. Every yeah. core value that we wrote down has a story behind it, a reason why it became a core value, some behavior we were trying to correct for. Or, or weed certain kind of people out that, that weren't going to fit into our organization. Like our first core value is we treat our people like customers. We don't mm-hmm. just treat our customers like customers. We treat all the people in this organization as if they're a customer. Awesome. And um, that helps weed out, you know, candidly, assholes. <laughs> we, yeah. We're yeah. trying to. So yeah. uh, some of your core values, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, I love the way you talk to these kids about the compounding effect of habits. Oh yeah, uh, but the way that I found you was on the seven shots. Oh, uh, t- talk about seven shots. So seven shots. Um, so again, I was blessed to have been able to coach um, <clears throat> with a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Rossetti, uh back in the day up in in New Jersey after I graduated from college from Rutgers. And I look back at it now, I'm like, man, like this guy had the number one high school team in the country. I, it was my old high school. So I went back to my old alma mater. I knew all the, all the kids. I said, and he made me, you know, part of the coaching staff. But not only that, 
he, he empowered me as a young kid to be truly a part of the staff. Like I had every, you know, much to do with practices. A lot of times as he did, he'd say, Hey man, you got practice today. What are we doing? And he let me run a practice, whatever, which for a 22, 23 year old kid, you know, and you open up the USA today and you see your team at the number one team in the country. There's that's, that's like, wow, man, that's pretty awesome that you trust me enough and respect me enough to allow me to have that kind of impact on the, on the program. So like, I've always thought about it that way, even with the coaching staff that we have here, when we bring young new coaches in, like give them an opportunity to flourish because somebody gave me that same opportunity. And, and I, I, I tell Mike Rossetti all the time, I go, you don't even know, you've never even been at C2X, but your fingerprints are all over it, right? Because of the impact that you had on me or my old coach, Mr. Weir, you know, like I said before, he was like a, almost a, a dad to me. We looked at when, when, when he took me under his wing when I was younger, fingerprints are all over it and they don't even know it, right? But the seven shots were something that we did. And it really was Mike Rossetti. He was like, hey, at the end of every day, we are going to finish practice and you're going to get your seven shots in. It sounds very simple. But if we practice six days a week, seven times six is 42. If the season's roughly 20 weeks, that's you know 840 shots of your favorite takedown that you're going to do while you're tired. Okay, Not to mention all the times you're going to do it in practice when we drill it in a match when you do it and you're successful, but you're going to be in a state semifinals and you're going to be down by a point with 20 seconds to go and you're going to need to take down and you're going to have that in your back pocket because you did it over a thousand times when you were tired, which with 20 seconds to go in a match, you're tired and you're going to have the confidence and, and, and the wherewithal to think like, I'm going to get it because I've practiced it all the time. So again, it's back to James Clear, the Atomic Habits and the compounding result of doing little things and making the little decisions every single day that might not seem like a really big deal, um, but they're big decisions over the course of a period of time, whether it's you know money and you know I'm sure you know how money compounds and that's nice. Or Thank if I decide, yeah, <laughs> or not, or today if I decide I'm going to go eat a burger uh, or I'm going to have a salad, doesn't really matter. I look in the mirror, I look the same, but if I eat the burger every day, every day, every day, I'm going to change. My body's going to change. Right. And so that's the way it is with the seven shots. Guys, man, it doesn't feel like much. It takes you a minute to do it. And I really believe when we try to get these habits. And again, I think it's back to the atomic habits. It's like everything needs to be done in short little increments. So like, you know, trying to just a couple minutes or whatever, you, you're, it's easier to form those habits. And so that's really where it comes from. And so, you know, we just like we get done with practice. Everybody's dead tired. But you look around and guys are getting their shots in. Guys, yeah. you're getting their shots in. It's beautiful. Uh, it's, be it's so beautiful. Uh, I want to try to uncover something with you or uncover your perspective on this, but I have um, a, a big fascination with the shot, you know, taking the shot. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the ultimate risk. You know, you have to expose yourself. You have to go in for the win. And uh, John Danahar, who is on this podcast, a very renowned mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu coach, um, he would... He said, you know, you're, you're never more vulnerable than when you go for the win. You know, he was talking about taking a punch, but when you shoot, you are extremely vulnerable. The guy can sprawl and he could weave your hand out of the way and take your back, you know, or, or begin to, to, if you don't shoot well. So I'm interested in your perspective as it relates to both the shot in the, in the literal sense, but I'm also interested in if, if you've had any thinking about the shot in a metaphorical sense. Yeah, I mean, like, so from a from a wrestling sense, you know, just like uh, we're always trying to teach just 
aggressiveness, right? And like, I think about like when I see a young kid come into the room, sometimes kid might be brand new, but like immediately, like, like he's got something that you can't teach and that's aggressiveness. Like the freaking kid wants to mix it up. You know what I mean? And that's sometimes really, really hard. In fact, I got a call yesterday from somebody who they've got, you know, a kid that plays a different sport and like, look, I want him in a room because like he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be able to interact and touch other kids and understand what that's like because of the sport that he plays, he's so good, but he misses that piece of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in our room, sometimes I see who's aggressive, who's not, but we do a lot of hand fighting. We do a lot of pushing and shoving and creating angles and just, you know, trying to get people to mix it up. Right. And it's funny, you know, I mentioned we have some females in a room as well. Like, doesn't matter if they're with the female or the male. Like they treat each other the same. It doesn't matter. They're pushing and shoving, you know. So from that perspective, I think it's a matter of just making again it part of every day. Like we almost practice, we almost start every practice after a warm up with some hand fighting and some, you know, some like you know close close contact, you know, touching and grabbing and pushing and tugging. And then we get right after our shots, right after our shots, right after our shots, and it becomes just part of the routine. And so when they get in a match. That's kind of what they think. It's like they're trying to uh, internalize, you know, how do I go about it in practice, put my foot on the line, I'm grabbing, hand fighting, setting my shot up, and I'm getting right in on my attacks, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also just getting the confidence up with the kids so that, like, hey, it's okay to take a shot and maybe not score, but you're so good that why would you want to um, give the opponent the opportunity to slow down the match? Because that's probably what they're trying to do because you're really good and you're really offensive. And if you just wait till the third period, you're giving them the opportunity to slow the game down. You know what I mean? Tom Brady, you don't want him to have the ball. So the other team probably not going to try and get into a, a, a game of, you know, let's just spread it out and throw the ball. They're going to hand the ball off and try and kill the clock. So he's not on the field. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, so it's kind of the same mindset with our guys. You're so offensive. You're so good. Don't wait, man. Let's get after the offense. Even if you give up an early takedown, you're going to get out. You're going to be back on your feet and you're going to get, you know, another opportunity. And that's kind of really um, the way it is. As far as metaphorically, you know, with, with work, I've always, you know, or with work or with just business, um, you know, and you are probably a great example of it. Like, you know, always kind of like jokingly said, you can't steal second with one foot on first. You got to just kind of, you know, sometimes take risks and sometimes your risks don't always work out and you got to be okay with the fact that it might not work out and have the confidence that you can, you know, recover from that. And so for me, you know, I always was willing to just kind of take that risk because I think I probably had confidence that, A, I'd be successful or we could be successful as a team or whatever it might be, even this gym. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. I rolled out a mat. We had a couple partners. We didn't know a whole lot. We just, you know, we knew wrestling. Um, but then you just kind of figure it out along the way and you, you hopefully have some humility um, to listen and learn and make mistakes, but learn from the mistakes, right? So you don't do them over and over again. And, um, you know, that's kind of, I think the way that I kind of approach stuff. Yeah. It, the shot, it's just doing it, thinking about it. It's something that personally wasn't in me, you know, like when I was, yeah. when I was, when I was a kid, my, my parents even said my best friend would walk on the edge of the pool and I would walk three feet back from the pool. And that's now I'm watching it with my two yeah. sons. My, my older son, he's three. He's in, very timid. He's very cautious. Yeah. He's very measured. My eight month old is a wrecking ball of destruction. He's all over crawling, everything, climbing, everything. I could already see that his personality is going to be one of risk taking. You could see it. Yeah. And so my personal nature uh, when starting to grapple into jujitsu, 
and and I and I look back on my career in lacrosse. I was a big lacrosse player, and, and I was a competitive ski racer. And I just I hadn't figured it out by the time I was eighteen and, and uh, nineteen and twenty in college. Mm-hmm. I didn't figure out how to go for it until I started doing jujitsu and learning about these martial arts principles to go and take my shot. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's why I, I really resonated with your story from before about the guy that just he didn't get it as a freshman. You know, he, yeah. he never if he would have given up, he never would have got back the glory. Yeah. He never would have been the, the all American. That leads so that, me to 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 an important question I was thinking about in advance of this interview, and that's. What's the life after a champion? You know, you training these kids to be champions, but you're also teaching them about life. Um, so often you see like people who dedicate their entire lives to the mission of being a champion that when it's over, they have a hard time finding the next, the next thing, mm-hmm. business or a career mm-hmm. or just, or just something else. You've had a business career. You were a D1 athlete. Now you start, you have the, your passion business also. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts around that? What are your thoughts around these people that are so singularly focused on being a champion that they forget about just being a good person or the next step? Yeah, I think it's okay to kind of stay in the moment when you're in that, you know, environment, so to speak, right? So we've got guys that are chasing state championships. We've got guys, and, and by the way, in our club, the whole goal is I don't care if you are, you know, vying for your fourth state championship, which we have a kid that's going to be, you know, vying for and one of the few to ever do it in the state of North Carolina. Um, and then we got guys that are good, never going to be more than, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you know, the captain of the JV team, and that's okay. And it doesn't matter, right? And, and my goal and the goal of all the coaches, which is a beautiful thing, is that those kids are going to get the same exact experience inside of C2X, right? So that kid is you're going to get, who's, who's maybe on the JV team or vying for a spot on a varsity or whatever, he's going to get the same attention and love that the, uh, and, and coaching, by the way, on and off the mat, as, you know, the kids that are going off to wrestle in college. I think we sent 14 kids off first. I think we only, wow. we, the other day, I think we had, we had 18 kids right now wrestling in college, which is crazy for down here. Incredible. Yeah. incredible. Yeah, 18 kids wrestling in college. We had two kids wrestle each other in a tournament over to college. Like it was like crazy. But anyway, so that's all good in a moment. But I think back to just the mindset of what's important, um, having these types of conversations with the kids literally every day when they're there, it's grabbing a kid, bringing a kid in the room, bringing a kid in the office, you know, talking to them after practice how many texts and phone calls we all get coaches get and mentorship we do with all these kids literally on a daily basis. Hopefully that, you know, gets them grounded and gets them to understand that, Hey, wrestling's important, but really what's important is life, right? I got a kid that went off to college. who's one of my favorite kids that's ever walked through the doors and, and uh, you know, he's wrestling in college right now doing amazingly well. And when he was leaving off to go to college, I, I asked him, I said, hey, hey, what do you want to you know, do? What do you want to study? Have you given much thought about that? And he's like, coach, I, I just want to come back and run this place. Like, that's his goal to come back. And by the way, if he wants to come back, like, I'm happy to give him the keys and hand it over because that's why we're doing it. We're not mm-hmm. doing it. By the way, I, I shouldn't even say this, but like myself and Vaz, the two guys, two of us that were in from the beginning, like we've never taken a penny. We don't make money. We've, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you how much money we've put into the business. It's a 501c3 nonprofit now. We turned it into a nonprofit. So now we're getting people that see kind of this and what we're doing. And thank you, by the way. You, you started this out with being grateful. Like, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you reached out and said, hey, would you jump on a podcast? I'm like, 
who, who wants to talk to me? But like the fact that you put me on here and give me the opportunity to spread this good word of what we're trying to do is incredible. I'm humbled, but I'm also grateful that you would take the time. And by the way, you're up in New York. I'm down here in Charlotte. It's like we're next door neighbors or something like that. And we stumbled yeah, yeah. across each other, right? Like it, you took the time to seek me out, which was amazing. And the fact that somebody might hear this and be better off for it, you know, is amazing. But also what's happening is people saying, wow, man, we love what you guys are doing. We want to be part of this. We want to, we want to donate. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's energy. Maybe it's money to help you serve more people. And that's all we care about. Yes, we care about wrestling. Yes, we care about fitness. We care about serving and we care about serving servant leadership. And we care about these kids having a life after wrestling's done when the, when the, when the last whistle's blown. And I remember, you know, in college, like I was like, I'm done. Like, like I can't wrestle anymore because I'm, and by the way, that back then, cause I'm an old man now, like there wasn't a whole lot after college right now, at least some of these guys go and there's these regional training centers. They, they become resident athletes for universities and help the college kids, whatever, or they're training for world teams, Olympic teams, whatever. Back then it was really, wasn't a whole lot of that. And so I remember thinking like, man, like I'm done. So I kind of had to go through what you just, you know, asked me and it was tough, but then I just sunk my teeth into something different. It was my wife. It was get, trying to get married. It was, you know, having kids. It was trying to provide for my kids. You know, I'm all in on being a dad. I'm all in on being a, um, on being a husband because of the way I grew up and not necessarily seeing that. So I'm all in on that. So that was, you know, maybe something to sink my teeth into and everybody is going to have those things. And it's, our, I think our opportunity for us as coaches is to lead those kids down the path of what's next and help them identify, you know, when wrestling's over and the lights go down and the door is closed and there's no more wrestling, how are you going to have the greatest impact? And for me, leading by example and doing what we're doing is hopefully allowing them to see that's what I need to do. I need to serve. Yes. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little saying, again, I think this was a Robin Sharma, and they, I say it to the kids, there's always a little scent left on the hand that gives the rose. They're starting to realize mm. and understand how good it feels to give. You know, we make phone calls, call college coaches, negotiate scholarships because no one's doing it for them, okay? We don't charge. It's just what we do. And they are, like, with tears in their eyes, they're so grateful. And I'm like, our coaches' hearts are crying. You don't see what's happening inside of us. We have a little scent left on the hand just because we gave you the rose. It feels good and smells good for us too. It's beautiful. I, thank you for saying all of that. It's, it's so powerful to, to hear someone like you say that. And uh, one of the other things I was thinking a lot about, um, about the way we came together through social media, which of course people talk about demonize, but, and I was one of them. I thought social media was going to be like cigarettes. I thought it was going to be done by now. That was my bet. I was late to the party when I started this, this project, except when I started business jujitsu, it was because I said, I can't keep my head in the sand any longer. And so I'm fascinated by people like yourself who didn't grow up with this technology. It's not native to you, but you said, oh, I'll go on it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And you are lighting a fire in it and you are going. And the fact is, is that I often tell entrepreneurs that if you do what you love, the money will come anyway. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily. You have to go after it. You got to go after it. But what you've built over there and now what you're putting out into the world you're potentially, if you want it, are setting up to be a leader in the next phase of our economy of content creation and empowerment and education. 
And uh, I often talk to people who are very pessimistic and they'll say, there's going to be no more truck drivers. They're going to be autonomous. There's going to be no more accountants because it's all going to be automated. There's going to, everything's going to be automated. So what are people going to do? Well, the fact is, is that the creator economy, that what you're participating in by putting your videos out there is going to be a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I wrote my college thesis in 2006 about education reform. And my central theme was that the best and brightest minds in the world should be teaching our kids, not mm -hmm. just a regular teacher. This doesn't mean that every single teacher shouldn't be able to be, have tutors or small cohorts, but why shouldn't we learn science from Elon Musk? Why shouldn't we learn? That, that was the gamble in 2006 that I was saying. So why isn't Tim Hennessy talking to, if you're able to empower all these kids, why shouldn't all the kids have access to you who want it? Mm -hmm. And the mm. fact that you're willing to put your voice out there and tell about tell them about seven shots, tell them about compounding, tell them about your core values and those C2X ways, you're doing that, right? Mm. And the fact is, is that if you build up enough steam on your content and you're just, this is all in the infancy, right? You know, yeah. you have 40,000 followers, a couple million views, but that's just growing and growing and growing and growing. Yeah. So where's Tim, Tim Hennessy in five years? I tell that to all the people in my company who are fashion experts because I have a, in addition to being a real estate entrepreneur, I'm a fashion entrepreneur. I have uh, 300 employees at, at Mixology, 12 locations and the website. And I tell them the exact same thing that you're doing, they That's could awesome. be doing. So you're, you're passionate about fashion. Well, the next 10 years, there's never have going to be a better market for people who are interested in fashion content. And if someone is in a store, you're in a gym, they're in a store. They have thousands of loyal customers who come and see them every week. They love them. That's how, why we're in business, because the customers keep coming back. I said, I guarantee you there's other people out there who want to know what you know. So to me, what you just said about being of service, that's one of our core values at our business. Just don't worry about asking people for things. Just be of service to them and good things follow. That's awesome. Yeah, and no, I love yeah. that. I love, the way, I love the way you put that. And I did yeah, I did my my homework on you as well. So so you did your thesis. That was for at Northeastern. At Northeastern, that's right. Yeah, yeah, great school, by the way. Um, um, yeah, and you know it's funny. And I looked at the website, and it's funny because I got three daughters, right? So like I I sent it to them. I go, hey guys, you guys familiar with this? Which they were like, I'm a little familiar with it, but like I promise you, they will be because they were starting to dig in, and all of a sudden, like, well, this is kind of maybe I'm saying the wrong thing here because you might kill me, but like. Like, goes, oh, this is similar to like some of the stuff I got at Free People or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, we, we carry Free People. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they were like, holy cow. Like, they were all fired up about it, you know, which is great. So, um, no, nah, I, 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 I think it's great if you don't worry about, you know, kind of the end result and the money. You just do what you do, and that part of it will just happen. It just, and there was, there was another like podcast I listened to. I can't remember who it was, probably an Ed Milet. And he talked, and whoever was on it, you know, talk specifically about that. Like, don't worry about the money. You know what I mean? And also it was, it was talking about like, don't worry about the adversity. Like adversity is an opportunity for personal growth. Everything you do, like it sounds terrible, but like, you know, death, what, whatever, anything, those are opportunities to grow. If you can think, I, can about I show you something before you, and, and, I, and I'll tell yeah. the audience something else so that you can see what's on my mind. Read this out for the people who are just listening. In case you get hit by a bus, how to organize your life now. I love it. Yeah, see this one? Get it so, together. There you go. I love it. I love it. That's, that's your book, right? This is, this is, no, this is just a book I'm reading about how, when you die. Oh, I love it. I love the, it. And the fact is, is that, you know, I'm 36. I have a young yeah. family. 
And uh, I've dealt with a lot of death through having a lot of employees. As a matter of fact, I had a, uh, we had a death in the office. Uh, one of our key employees, my CFO, his father-in-law passed just this morning. So I, as, as, as a leader, I deal with a lot of people and grieving and death, and they see all kinds of situations. And one of the things that I see over and over again is people who don't set it up for when they leave. Yeah. And uh, when I go, every single thing is already taken care of. Yeah. Will, life insurance, what to do, where my passwords are. There's nothing. My family doesn't have to think about a single thing. Yeah, and I think awesome. that's the most personal response. It's a samurai thing. When you go, yeah. here's my suit, just bury me in my suit. And so you yeah, brought yeah. it up, but the art of how to die, you know, yeah, and no, that's... we're all, we're all on the way. Yeah. There's nothing we could do about it. So it's just kind of how you go and what, and who is really important to the people after you. And so, yeah, uh, it's, it's neat. It's a neat, it's a neat, per, it's a neat perspective. You know, I always you know, talk about time and how precious time is. It's the one thing like you don't know how much you have. I hate when I hear somebody, what are you doing? I'm killing time. You're killing time. Like time is the most precious thing that you have. Like it's the one thing you don't know how much you have. And it's not infinite. Time is never infinite. So don't be killing time. Don't be wishing for the next thing. Like take advantage of the time you have you know, like get up every day, man. Just like, you know, say like get up every day and you always have this little saying, I don't know where this one came from, but like from the time I was younger, it's like, you know, every day is a holiday, every walk's a parade, every meal's a feast, you know? And if you get, get up every day and you kind of, that's the way you live life and you don't waste time and you just, you know, realize that time is, you know, really, really precious, um, you know, you're going to make the most out of it. So it's, it's interesting. Well said and, uh, and a perfect place for us to end. Uh, Tim, I'm so grateful to have met you and, um, I, I can't just wait to keep watching the C2X journey. And, um, I hope that we get to, uh, get, do some wrestling in the, in the, in the future. I don't know the next time I'm going to be down in your hood, but, uh, it's, well, if you ever run, if you ever run adult camps, please, please, please keep me in mind. That's funny. So we're running an adult class. That's funny. We just started an adult classes because more and more adults are, are asking for us. So we're starting an adult class this Sunday, but, uh, uh, here's where we're going to see each other. I still have season tickets to my Scarlet Knight Rutgers wrestling program. Okay. And so I have mat side seats. So we're going to go and we're going to go to a match. I'm going to call you and you're going to meet me. We're going to go to Rutgers University. We're going to go to a wrestling match. And yeah. so that'll be good. The other thing is my, I guarantee you my daughters are going to become customers of yours. So, <laughs> and we're going to be spreading the word because, you know, you guys do some great work as well. And it's a pretty neat story as well you and your dad and i like i said i got through that that was pretty awesome so that's where Thank we'll so uh, yeah that's where we will uh, absolutely you know, that'll be our next venture you know together so to speak i'm gonna i'm gonna turn you into a Rutgers wrestling fan uh before I you can't know wait i can't wait for that yeah um, and i'm i'm grateful really yeah jordan this was great i'm grateful it's uh uh great to be on the on the podcast and uh you know, I look forward to anything I could do to help you or, or you or what you're doing. I'm happy to do that. And in the meantime, yeah, I appreciate you getting the word out. We're really trying to do good things at C2X and feel like uh, we're making a difference. You know, we jokingly say, you know, you said it's a journey. And we say, man, it's a movement, like jump on the movement. And, uh, you know, our hashtag is live limitless and uh, come home every night and like, hey, how was practice? And we just say, man, we're changing the world one person at a time. And that's just the way we go about it. So appreciate it. Beautiful. I'm going to leave it on that. Tim, appreciate your time. Have a great day and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Jordan. Take care.